What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of Defining Legacy. Again, I'm your host, Theus Elijah McBee. Um, before we tap into today's episode, just want to make a quick shout out to our sponsor, of course, and that's the Defining Legacy online store. All right, and the link to that store can be found in the description of this episode. All right, we have tees, hoodies, long sleeves, everything like that. All right, so if you're interested in checking out the store, feel free to check out the link in the description of this episode. All right, now to tap into this episode, all right, we have a lovely guest on today's show. All right, now usually, you know, I, I, I immediately give people, you know, the chance to you know, introduce themselves, but I just want to say real quick before I do that, um, it's an honor and a privilege to have another Yukon Husky on the show. So, um, but yeah, Alexis Russell, what's going on? Good to have you on the show. Hello. And Hello. If, you, if, if, if you don't mind um, just introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your overall story. Okay, when you tell me, when you say story, do you want me to like say like my background with education? Yeah, um, so from the beginning, you feel like this, you start where you want. You start where you want and finish where you want and then we'll go from there. I know that that's a wide range. But oh, whatever, okay. Whether it's your college days, whether it's your high school days up to now, or if you want to do it vice versa. All right, I'll just, I'll start very general from the beginning. Um, yeah. So hi everyone, my name is Alexis Russell. Um, I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut originally. Um, met Theus at UConn and I majored in management information systems. Um, from there, I went on to go work at Cigna. Um, I'm a black woman in tech, so I work in IT as a project manager or scrum master. Um, I also obtained my MBA with a concentration in project management from the University of Hartford. And then I'm currently um, a master's of public policy and public administration at Johns Hopkins right now. Um, so that's a little bit about myself. Love to travel, love to eat, love to lift. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want me to go a little bit deeper and talk yeah, about my can, childhood. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we can run with that. Um, so I guess going into UConn, you know, just kind of starting there, what made you um, want to get your degree? And you said management information system, system? Yeah. Yeah, what made you want to get your degree in that? Well, that's a really, that's a really, wow. Okay, so originally yeah. I went to UConn majoring in engineering. And you know, the bridge program, right? Where it's like for like Blacks, Latinos, um, people of color, women, et cetera, right? So the summer before my freshman year of college, I was at Bridge and I hated it. Mm. I hated being the, I would say, bougetto black girl in these spaces. Um, it just didn't sit right with me. And it's not that the work was hard. It's just that like, it wasn't the right environment for me. Um, so immediately I remember going um, to the AAC. I didn't even know Dr. Price, um, but I went to the AACC and I was just like, please help me. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do, but please help me. Um, and she kind of directed me and like gave me different options. So I explored different majors and I landed um, on MIS, which is like kind of a combination of IT and business. Um, and I felt like it suited me a little bit better and allowed me to kind of be myself, be a little bit more vibrant um, and not be this person that felt like I was in a box. Not saying that engineers are in a box because that's not the case, but that's how my experience was um, when I was in this program. So that's really where I landed. Um, and of course I wanted to kind of stay in that STEM field, um, and also make money. I mean, let's just be very clear here. So yeah, yeah, that, that's how I landed there. Yeah. So, um, I gotta ask, did you see a lot of, uh, people that looked like you that were also in, uh, you know, in that field early on? No. And I'm questioning if I was the first black girl to graduate with this degree because it was still a very new program. And even at the time in our class, it was probably like five of us shout out Isaiah um, it was like five black people and there were four black guys and I was the only black girl. So mm. I'm still trying to decide, should I do some research to see if I was like the first black girl to get an MIS degree from UConn? You so. might be. 
<laughs> might be. Might have to look into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So was that ever uh, discouraging, though? Were there ever times where you felt um, a little hesitant because of that? I, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my experience. I, I graduated, like, top of my class as well. Um, so when I came from where I came from, I came from Colby Cathedral in Bridgeport. When I came from there, I'm used to being like the go-to person, straight A's, over 4.0 GPA, like you name it, whatever. I'm in classes, I'm in group projects, people acting like I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. Like, like I'm not smart or whatever. So it was always very uncomfortable being in these spaces and I'm just so grateful to have had someone like Isaiah um, in all of my classes where we could come together because it was very uncomfortable. Um, not just being black but being a black woman is very different sometimes right like a lot of times black men can find that um i guess that relationship as a man or talk about sports or like sometimes if you feeling like white folks be a little bit easier on black men and in, in, in regards to like business i can say from my lens um but for me it was very tough actually and very uncomfortable but so how, how was that adjustment though like you know you you know going from Kobe cathedral to to yukon how was that actual adjustment Right, right. So that's another thing. So Colby's like a very small Catholic high school, but it's still in Bridgeport, right? So these are the, still the same kids off of the streets of Bridgeport, same neighborhoods, whatever. And for me, it was a very big culture shock going from a small school to a big school, from a school with predominantly Blacks and Latinx community to being with all of these white folks. Um, it was a very big shock for me. And also, Colby's also known to have like a better curriculum than other high schools in Bridgeport. But when I went to UConn, I also felt like I was very unprepared somewhat, mm. right? Like a lot of neighboring schools and like Fairfield or Trumbull or all these other like rich towns in the Fairfield County, I guess, area had more curriculum and had more um, extra classes offered to them. So I remember immediately coming into one of my first econ classes my freshman year and I was like, what the, can I cuss? Yeah. Should I not cuss? Yeah, yeah. You what can. the hell is going on? <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell is going on? And people was like, oh yeah, I've done this before. And I'm like, I didn't even know this was offered as like a class or an mm. elective kind of thing. Mm. Um, so for me, it always felt like I was always behind and how to play catch up. Um, and just reminding me of my mom always telling me like, you got to work 10 times as hard to kind of be successful as a black person in these spaces. Mm. And it held very true in college, um, in my corporate career every day. It just, it always feels like that. Mm. Yeah. So what do you think, if, if you had to give your thought or opinion on this, what do you think could be done to, to have that be changed for, you know, a, a teenager that might be coming into UConn and feeling that same type of pressure? Do you think there's anything that can kind of bridge that gap at all? Oh, you might stop me on this question. What can we do to bridge that gap? Or put it like this, put it like I this. If, if you have an answer, go ahead. I, I don't, but go ahead, ask, ask. The, I was going to say, one thing I, I try to think about is the Alexis, you know, Russell of today, right? Yeah. What would she tell the Alexis Russell that was entering UConn for the first time? You know, if you could be your own mentor, yeah. what would be the thing you say, all right, stay away from this or make sure, you know, you hang out, you know, with this type of crowd or make sure, you know, you talk to certain professors. What, what would you tell yourself back then? All right, so I'm gonna fuse an answer to like both questions, right? Okay. Like, I think looking back, I focused so much on the fact that I was behind and I wish I would have had more grace with myself back then. Like I focused so much on being like, oh my God, like these people are in a better position than me, da, da, da. And in reality, I should have focused on like, 
oh, I, I, I can make this happen. I'm going to just put my head down and, and make it happen. And to bridge that with the first question that you asked me, I really feel like it's going to be very tough for a lot of black and brown folks to be in those spaces unless the infrastructure is changed, mm. unless they really do give the funding and those extracurriculars and those electives in these underserved communities. I do think that many students are going to go through that same path. And that's going to be the sad reality. And for me, how do you how do you push through that? So for me, it's like, I'm not going to compare myself and my journey to these other folks. I'm just going to know that I'm going to come in and get it done and find the right resources. Um, also, just being true to myself, right? Like, yeah, I'm from Bridgeport, straight like that. Like, yeah, I'm from Bridgeport. I don't have to change anything about me to, to be like you guys or to fit in. So if you don't want me to be in your group, cool, I'm good. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I wish I would have had that mindset and, instead of trying to get acclimated and trying to kind of fit into these small little crevices so much. Yeah, it's okay to kind of embrace who you are. You know, I think sometimes that, that first year, even that first couple of months of, of college can be very, very, um, you know, a transition for a lot of people and obviously for people that look like us. But so to know, and the reason why I ask that, because like I said, before we started recording, I'm sure, you know, there's probably going to be another either person or a group of people that might think like, man, I just walked into a classroom and for the first time in my yeah. life, there's no one that really looks like me. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I think, I think though too, like, one thing I, I've, I've kind of been curious about is how did you discover this type of field? Like, what, how did I discover like what, I, I, I say that because it's not, or like, it may not be the most common thing that might be taught or like introduced, yeah. you know? So how did you kind of discover it? This is going to sound terrible, but I looked up high paying jobs in STEM and I worked my way down from there. I knew how, that I was How did that sound high. terrible? I don't because I it probably should have been like oh it's your passion like that's not what happened at all I, it was like I'm good at STEM I'm good at technology I'm good at math I'm good at all those kind of things now let's find a job where I can make some money and that's exactly what I did and I was just like oh well MIS is a a new it's a new major so that's why I was saying at the time it was a very new major probably probably about like five years out from out that time that it had been discovered um so that's exactly how I landed upon my my major Mm. just literally doing that no I, you can be as transparent <laughs> as possible yeah. I mean, like we have the conversation often of like you know choosing between passion and money you're like you know do you enjoy it versus you know what pays you well and if you're saying that you just went to google <laughs> and typed in basically you know well, what, here's why and if you look if you look you know me well right so you know what i do outside of my job mm. i've decided for me that it's possible for me to make money and also hone in on my passion so my nine to five obviously is my it job and then outside of that i, I balance here all the time i mean um i'm a, I'm a, so a member of delta sigma data sorority incorporated um i was in the obama foundation i mean i do a lot of stuff in the community in in black communities specifically um, so for me, I was able to kind of find that balance. And even when I get into these white spaces, like how I was at Cigna, like I'll, I'll create programs or I'll create opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, so my, my first year when I was at Cigna, I created this program called um, TechDP in Schools, which basically allowed us to bring um, 25 students from um, a Harvard school. I think it was Achievement First. We brought them to um, UConn and kind of spent the day showing them how to code, um, gave them a tour of UConn and just kind of privying them to a lot of different um, tech tech majors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's my way of like, I got to get into the system to kind of change it. Mm -hmm. um, but more so it's like, I need money to be able to do so. Mm -hmm. um, that I just, I firmly believe that money is at the base and the foundation of a lot of things. And you need that to make change. 
So I completely agree. How old were uh, the, the the children that you brought out there to, to teach them how to code and stuff? How old were they? Um, they were like sophomores, okay. sophomores in high school, and then sophomores, freshmen in high school, and then also eighth grade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and one thing that I heard you mention that I think is extremely dope is the idea of creating your own opportunities. So what? Absolutely. You know what does that kind of mean to you? Creating your own opportunities. You put me in any space. And I'm going to sit there and be like, what can I do for my people? Any space, absolutely any space, any, any opportunity I get, like, even if I go to a different company, I'm going to look around and say, okay, well, I see there's a gap here. I see that there are less black women here. Or there are less black men there. There are less black folk here. What can I do to, to make a change here? And that's just how I approach anything and everything that I'm in. Mm. Um, that's my mindset. Yeah. I'm very much so on equity, equality. Like I love everyone. Absolutely. But you know, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I know. We're, yeah, the, yeah. We're, at the, we're at the bottom of the totem pole, so mm -hmm. I'm I'm over here trying to fight for my people. That's always front and center of um, in the front of my head, basically. Yeah, and you know, I, I definitely obviously encourage that. But what would you say to someone? Play this. Do you think that everyone that may have that quote unquote platform or that might be in your shoes should do the same? Absolutely. Hmm. And but here's the thing, right? Every, there's different people, right? Like in a beehive, there's a worker bee, there's a queen bee, there's this bee. Like, I think, I think as long as you have a hand on uplifting your community, you don't have to be the person maybe to, to come up with the plan. Maybe you're the person that's helping tutor the students. Maybe you're the person that's driving the students to the school, right? Like I think every black person, I think it's every single one of our jobs to have a hand in, in pouring back into the community. Mm. And I stand by that. Yes. Yes. You and me, you, you and me both. Do, do you wish um, do you wish that you had an Alexis Russell kind of to kind of give you a hand? I had so many Alexis Russells and that's another reason why I do it. I was raised by a single mom, right? Like now we're gonna get deep, right? Like I was raised by what? a single mom. Um, so I remember there were probably about half of my childhood I remember taking the city bus because my mom couldn't afford a car or if she did have a car it was like a little pup pup car that would break down all the time. And they were women that she always told me like, this is your village, right? Like I always had my aunties or other people that were like my pseudo aunties that were picking me up and dropping me off to games and that were there investing in me or the people that were showing me about the programs at the local university. Like I always had people pouring in me and that's why I take it so seriously to pour into other folks because I know for a fact that like, I probably wouldn't be here if it weren't for my village. And I was very fortunate enough to have older sisters that also were kind of like my Alexis Russells, if you will. Um, but those women and mainly they were black women. Um, those were my Alexis Russells and meant everything to me. Yeah. And, and shout out to them. And speaking of your sisters, um, I believe, right. That you all, um, funded a scholarship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Would you want to, uh, talk Perfect about example. That? Perfect example. Um, so basically each year my sisters and I came together to award a scholarship to a young girl that we feel like reminds us of our mom or Zeus for quality. So being kind, um, God-fearing, working hard, um, those were like some of the main qualities that we looked for. And obviously scholastic achievement as well. Yeah. Those are some of the main qualities that we looked for when we selected the young girl. But the first year, this was the first year, we selected two girls because we couldn't really decide between the two of them. But that's a perfect example of how, again, pouring back into the community. And we're gonna continue to do this every single year to kind of obviously keep my mom's legacy going on. Mm. Um, but just 
for me, like when I think about, I don't know, when I think about my life, I just think about my mom, right? Like I think about all of the hurdles that she had to go through again, being a single mom. Like there were times when me and my sisters had to like warm up water on the stove just to kind of have, you know, a warm bath or something like that. Right. And it's so funny because people will look at us now and be like, oh, like I was born with a silver spoon and it frustrates me. It frustrates me very much because a lot of people see where I am now, but they don't see where, you know, me and my sisters and my family came from. Um, so I think that's also very important is to remember where you come from, um, because that also is like the fire behind um, a lot of the things that I do. Yeah. So how would you say, though, like, even though moments like that happened when you were young, how do you think that that has kind of molded you into the person that you are now? I'm resilient. I one thing about me. I'm going to make it happen, right? Like, I don't care if it's not going to happen today, next month. If I write it down, it's going to happen. If plan A doesn't work, I'm going to find plan B. And I think that that's just how my mom raised us, right? Like, okay, toilet broke, go get a rubber band and tie it up. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I'm really going to make, I'm going to make shit shake. That's just, that's just how I am. Mm. Um, And I think that ties into all the goals that I've achieved. I told myself when I graduated from college, I wanted to get my MBA within two years. I did that. Told myself I wanted to buy a home um, before the end of 2018. I did that, right? Like I can go down each of the things and I did it, but I also worked hard for it. Mm. So example, when people look at me buying a home at the young age that I did, they're like, oh, again, people will probably say like, oh, maybe her sisters or her mom gave her money. Mm. Actually, I was working a part-time job for about 25, 30 hours a week. Mm. In addition to working my full-time job, in addition to being in school full-time, right? Mm. But people don't see that big picture. Mm. They just see, oh, she got a home. Mm. But no, I'm the person that was working those extra hours to get this home. And I would say that my upbringing has definitely played a huge role into me being that person. Facts, facts. And so what, what does it mean to you to know that like you didn't get comfortable like early on? Like you could have like, you know, you're young. So it's like some people might tell you, you have time or, you know, just wait, yeah. you know, but what is it? What was it that made you keep going? Well, really, it's just foundational things, right? Like, there's always time, right? And I do believe that everyone has a different journey, a different destination. I stand by that. But I was raised on pay now, play later. That has always been my mom's number one thing that she told my sisters and I is you pay now and you play later. So that's I, I take that to heart. And that's always been my mentality. In my mind, I want to invest as much as possible in front. I want to knock out my goals as much as possible as from, because honestly, later on, I want to be able to sit down and reap those, be- those benefits. I want to be able to just bask in, in, in the fruits of my labor. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how my mindset has been set up. So that's why I'm, I'm going so hard, I guess, earlier on in my career and earlier on in my life. Yeah. And I think it's so important too, for people to enjoy their life and enjoy the fruits of their labor. Um, but I think the, the, the biggest thing that you got out of, or I got out of what you just said was the order in which you do it. Right. So now that you've kind of reached the point of like, you know, obviously working hard and things like that. Now, you know, you're able to, you know, obviously get your own home. And also I want to mention too, the idea of traveling a lot, you know, it oh, seems I- like you're a, a big, you know, advocate and fan of traveling. So what, yeah. what level of importance do you think that should have on, obviously, you know, it depends on a person's budget and finance and stuff, but why is it so important to you to find it? I mean, to travel. Or do you just like going out the country? I just just really like traveling. I love experiencing different cultures. I think it's a part of like my, I would, I always call it my cultural capita, 
yeah. I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being able to like truly understand. When I'm growing up in Bridgeport, I was exposed to so many different cultures, right? So, and I'm not BSing you. Across the street, there was a Brazilian family. Next to that family was a Puerto Rican family. Down the street was Italian, German. I really grew up in a very, very, very diverse place. So I think I already naturally had an affinity to being around different cultures. But I think for me, being able to say like, oh, like actually I had, um, I did have lengua tacos before in Mexico. <laughs> I did, I have done this. Like I actually have done all these things, right? Like, or I did have, um, you know, all these different dishes or experiences yeah. these different cultures directly from the source. Like, I love that. Um, and then I also, like, I just, again, because I do work very hard, I need to escape. Mm. So I'm dragging it when I'm saying like, you know, pay now, play later. I, again, that's why I do invest so much upfront, but I do relish in some of my, I guess, benefits as well right now. I mean, it's so, yeah. yours at the end of the day, first of all. So, I mean, yeah. like if you want to go somewhere and it's your money, I mean, <laughs> rock out. Um, <laughs> what I would say to that too, is like, I'm sure you enjoy yourself when you travel. That's part of the reason why you might do it so often yeah. as much as you might do. Um, but would you say that you learn when you travel? when you go on vacation to different places, do you ever learn at all? Yes, this is this is what I'm saying. Like, this is going back to the cultural capita. But I also learned to be grateful. And mm. sometimes it's not about being grateful in a sense where it's like I have more money than folks. But really, sometimes when you get to these places, just taking it in, like, like, God, thank you so much for being like allowing me to even be in a position to do this. Right. Like, there were times, like I said, where I'm warming up water on the stove to, to take a bath. You know what I'm trying to say? So for me, it's just like, just very grateful. Those are the things that I learned is gratitude. And what I've learned for mental health, gratitude is so, so important. Um, I remember like watching this TED Talk video before about how like when you practice gratitude, it's like better for your mental health, your physical health. So literally every single day before I go to bed, and this may sound like I'm dragging it, but it's true. I try to meditate for at least five minutes and really just focused on gratitude and just the small little things. Um, so when I'm traveling, I, I learn gratitude, even more gratitude as I'm traveling. Mm. So why is it that, and I'm not sure if you mentioned when you started to do that with the mental health component, but, but why did you decide to add it? Like what? Last, I would say the gratitude, the whole working more on my mental health started last year. Um, it was a very um, dark time for me. I lived, I live alone. Um, so all my loved ones kind of lived in a different, like either a different city, different States, et cetera. Um, so for me, I was really in a dark place where I felt alone a lot and I had to work on my mental health. I mean, I have a therapist, um, I've meditated before in the past, but it's a difference when you practice gratitude with your meditate meditation. Mm. Um, so I really feel like just being in the pandemic yesterday shifted my entire perspective just on life on everything, like just, just absolutely everything. Yeah. And so I also want to, you know, kind of tap into that a little bit more too, is like, obviously, you know, as a young person, when you're successful um, or kind of reach a point in your life where you're happy with, that's a good thing. Um, But whether it's living by yourself or moving to a new state or just overall starting a new life, um, Mm -hmm. what were some of, I guess, the overall struggles that you feel like you kind of um, overcame um, and just kind of being in a new environment? So struggles that I overcame, like... Yeah, so, like, so like I feel like being at, like, in college, right, UConn, right, everyone is on campus, right? If you have friends, like, they're there, they're, like, sometimes it's, like, a five-minute walk or, or whatever, yeah. like, everyone is surrounded. But you talk about, you know, having to live, you know, by yourself 
and just overall starting a new career path? Was there anything that you feel like you had to, you know, overcome on your own? And I know obviously, you know, you mentioned your sisters and your family, but just, you know, we all go through things personally. Was there something yeah. that you felt like, all right, Alexis Russell has to take care of this? Yeah. Um, I would say for me, just being okay with who I, who I am and who I was, honestly, I feel like a lot of times, like I have a very big, vibrant personality, which you already know. Um, and when you go into corporate America, when you go into these places, they really try to make everything so vanilla. And they, it's sometimes you feel like you're being stripped of your soul and just stripped of your character and stuff like that. And I went through a really dark time again with that as well, where, you know, sometimes I would feel bad for being who I was, but I realized I got as far as I did because of who I am, because of my personality, because of I'm an outspoken person, because I'm this big, bold, in your face person. Um, when I, but like I said, when I first got to corporate America, it, it, I was very uncomfortable to be that person. Um, but it took some time for me to fall in love with myself again. And it's funny, right? Because I remember in college, a lot of people would say like, oh, I'm finding myself. And I was like, I know who I am. Like, I, I, ain't, I ain't never have no problem finding myself, right? But I did go through that after I graduated from college because you feel so, so much like an outsider when you're seeing yeah. other folks like, ooh, like, I'm a little ghetto yeah. or I'm, you know, like I'm a little this, but then you just become comfortable with like, it's just who I am. It is what it is. Yeah. And it really, really is okay to kind of be yourself. And I know you know that obviously, but just like, you know, you shouldn't have to feel the need to transform once you are in a different environment, whether that be through college or corporate America. But in some instances, that is a, a sad reality. Yeah. Um, but even in talking about corporate America, um, diving more into uh, what does it mean to you to be a black woman in tech? Hmm. Black woman in tech. What does it mean to me to be a black woman in tech? Um, take up space and be bold. Like those are the first two things that came to my mind. Um, again, going kind of tying back the previous answer. I remember before I would be on a call, kid you not, if I'm on a conference call with like 20 people, I am probably one of two women and the only black woman, right? So like being on a call, people are having banter, talking about their golf games or like some stuff that I could not relate to. Um, and I used to kind of just be in a corner, being quiet, like just really afraid to speak up. But for me, I had to learn again over time that it, I don't got to be like y'all, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, and I think that that's what being a black woman in, in tech is just standing firm in who I am and kind of creating a path for other black girls to be themselves. Um, even though black girls are not a monolith. So maybe there are some black girls I want to talk about um, Seinfeld or golf all day. That's not who I am. That's, that's not who I am. Uh, but you know what I'm going to say? <laughs> at least creating a space where, right. where black women can be themselves and not feel like they have to kind of fit in. Mm. Um, now you catch me on a call. Mm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I, I just laughed because of all the shows. Yeah, of all the shows you said it was Seinfeld. That, I just find that to be funny. That's all. Um, you get yeah, so, me on a call now. I might tell these folks, give me a second. I got to unwrap my hair. That's just, <laughs> that's just where I'm at right now. Yeah, so that's yeah, why, yeah. that's what it means to me to be. And then also Black excellence, right? Like, I'm yeah. a dude. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. when I'm doing this, like, it sucks because people always say you shouldn't have to feel like you, you have the Black community on your back or whatever kind of thing. But that's just, it's already embedded in me. 
So when I am doing things, I'm like, oh, I'm about to show out. Mm-hmm. I'm about to show them we does this. Black women, we do everything. We got this black girl magic. You know what I'm trying to say? Like in my mind, that's what I think of when I'm in these spaces. Mm. If that's the case though, and it sounds like you embrace it, which is a, a great and wonderful thing. But there are there are there ever moments where you feel like there's pressure on you? Because when you think of the numbers, right? You said if there's a, a call with like 20 people and you're the only, or you might be the only black woman, do you feel like there's like high expectations? For yourself, maybe not necessarily from like the people, you know, that you might work with, but just like, yeah. damn, if I mess up, right? Yeah, they might not a- hire another system. Absolutely. So absolutely, right? Like I always tell people, let me, let's say if I ask you a question, you know, you know, is, is the cloud like on-prem or is it AWS, is it Google, whatever? That's a tech question, right? Like somebody's probably thinking like, oh, let me just answer this question directly. I'm thinking, damn, is my tone gonna be received in a bad way? Mm. Is this, like I'm going through a mental Olympics before I even answer the question. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's, that's what it feels like being a black woman in these spaces. Again, I, got, I had to get comfortable with being myself, but I would be lying to you if I told you I still don't go through the mental mental Olympics before giving my answer, hmm. which sucks. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah. And I, I, you know, one thing I kind of touched on earlier was like the idea of like, what could possibly change that? But I don't think like, I won't say there's none that can be done. I'm not going to say that, but at the end of the day, numbers are numbers. If you're the only person that, you know, you can't really look to your left or look to your right and say like, okay, I can't really relate on, on a level where everyone else would understand. Um, but so I, I guess a, a question that might be obvious, but I didn't ask was what exactly is it that like you do specifically, not necessarily like just your, your, you know, your, your, your title, but like, what is it that, you know, right. you, you do? Cause obviously, you know, people hear the word black tech and things like that, but what is it that you do? Let me try to p- give you a story. To yes, please. Yeah. 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 Right, yeah. All right. Right. So let's say, um, let's say a company. I think I already said I worked at Cigna, whatever. Let's say if Cigna yep. <laughs> is yeah, trying did, to build, let's say if Cigna is trying to build um, a mobile application, there might be um, three teams, right? Like there might be a front end team, which is a team that works on the graphics of what you see mm-hmm. on an app. There would be a back end team, the team that's kind of working on like the data and kind of pulling some of those metrics, et cetera, that you see mm-hmm. on the actual application. And there might be another team that's working on something else. My job is to make sure that all the teams have what they need making sure that they deliver their stuff on time. If there are any impediments, it's my job to remove those impediments, whether internal or external. Um, if they're dependencies, I make sure that those dependencies are aligned, um, making sure things are on budget, um, also dealing with internal um, conflicts and stuff like that. So folks are not getting along. It's my job to kind of shift the, the I guess, the culture or the nature of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just kind of giving those different teams what they need so that they can be able to build that application. Okay. Okay. And I guess going off that, would you say there's a lot of like uh, a lane, if you will, for, you know, multiple types of people in tech, like are there different opportunities? Kinda? Yeah. Yeah. So going back to what I said earlier about how I came from bridge, there are folks from the bridge program or folks that come from a bridge background. They're like computer science engineers. I work directly with them. Right. And they're probably a little bit more um, technical, um, I don't want to characterize people that are in tech, um, no. but you know they might be a little bit more. Um, what what is it called? Um, I, I have a word, but I won't say it. But go it, ahead. It, no, no, they could be a little bit more introverted. Let's just say okay. that they could be a little bit more introverted, right? Um, and there's also extroverted developers as well, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to establish that that there are both intro and extro folks that are like that. But then yeah. folks like myself that are a little bit more extroverted, um, 
project managers. Like that's basically what I do. Um, there are folks that are very analytical. Um, so you'll have like a business analyst or a product owner, um, folks that are creative. We have designers that like I talked about when you see that application, there's someone that created mock-ups of what that app's supposed to look like. So there's space for creatives, problem solvers, extroverts, introverts, um, just, just anything, honestly. There's always space for every kind of personality in tech. Okay, okay. And I mean, I, I think it's important too, because like for me personally, whenever I hear tech, I'm not sure like which lane, you know, certain yeah. people tend to kind of tap into, but it sounds as if there's a variety of them, right? Yeah, and what I'm noticing now too, a lot of folks are segueing into tech from different backgrounds. I'm noticing a lot of folks in like psychology backgrounds actually kind of taking on more project manager and product owner roles, hmm. um, which makes sense, right? Like you have to be able to work with folks to yeah. be able to pull a project together. So you would assume that someone that has a psychology background will be able to kind of navigate different personalities and different people a little bit better. Hmm. Got you. And let me ask this. Would you say that working in tech is for or can be for everybody? Absolutely. Okay. That's just my answer is absolutely. There's no, yeah. The, the only thing I would have to say is you, you have to do your work. Like if you are not going to do work, if you're going to be that lazy person that thinks you can just get by, right. they will figure it out over time. So yeah. that's the one thing I say is like slackers and people that don't do hard work in most, you know, fortune 100 companies, like your fraudulent activity will be revealed eventually. Hmm. Okay. Cause you know, I, the reason why I asked that question is because there's, you know, not everyone is going to be great at everything, but I think right now yeah. with the way things are, are happening, a lot of people because of the pandemic, obviously are looking for other avenues to kind of, uh, yeah. into. Yep. And that's why I'm saying that like a lot yeah. of folks are transitioning into, listen, Sometimes I wonder why did I have to go to school for four years to do what I do? I think a lot of people feel that way. Like a lot of people are probably like, damn, like I could have probably learned this in a couple of months. Um, and honestly, now, if you look on LinkedIn and, and even on other social sites, you're finding that certificates are like the new wave, right? So like yeah. if I want to go and jump into marketing, right? Like, or jump into finance, like I can get a certificate and kind of actually figure it out. I can get a certification and, and, and do something. So I would say that that's definitely the new way to kind of pivot into um, a different career. Yeah, and I was going to ask too, maybe not necessarily do you wish you'd have gone that route, but do you think that as time progresses, that's going to be a more popular thing that people start to do? Yeah, I think it, I think it gives people more flexibility. I think for me, I'm pretty comfortable in, right. in my, in my um, decision, but I think that more folks are definitely starting to do that now. Even folks that I know in IT are now taking more creative um designer certificates all this other stuff to kind of pursue their own ventures either on the side or even for full-time opportunities yeah yeah okay okay i mean that yeah. makes sense too i mean like i said the adjustments that a lot of people have had to make um because of just the pandemic and just everything you know considered is a real thing and again going back to how the pandemic was a wake-up call for a lot of people that was the catalyst for me going back to school at johns hopkins to pursue public policy um, it's always been one of my visions either to be in the nonprofit space or to even like low key run for mayor of Bridgeport. Who knows? Okay. Like I, okay. you know, like, you know, stuff like that. I just want to make sure that I'm positioned when that time does come for my future aspirations like this. Me going back to school right now is not for like my 20s or my 30s, more so for like my late 40s and 50s with those future endeavors. But like I want to position myself for for that stance. OK, so you're already looking ahead to life. In you know the kind of later stages of it, you already know. 
Yeah. No, I I know that, but I have to make sure you say it. <laughs> I, I know that, but I gotta make sure people understand that like a lot of you know the actions that people might take isn't just for tomorrow. Yes, um, exactly. But how's your mind? Like you're intact, like why are you like it's com it's completely different than what I'm doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. I got a plan lined up. <laughs> all right, so all right, so why is that the case though? Right? Why why is it that you have two different um areas of life that you're um approaching and dealing with? Right. So right now I'm trying to stack stack my money up, right? Like I'm trying to make sure that because I know that when I'm pursuing these future endeavors, like if I want to pursue a nonprofit space or perhaps own my own nonprofit. Yeah. Just to give you some more tea, like right now I'm also trying to pursue a patent. So like in my ideal world, I would have a patent and then start a nonprofit from my company. Um, but even if I don't, if, if I'm not successful with pursuing a patent and I do want to go into the nonprofit world, I recognize that that world is more so focused on the mission and not money. Mm. Um, maybe there are some people that are fortunate enough to make money, like a lot of money in these spaces, but I recognize that a lot of times it's about the passion and investing into the community. So for me, I just want to make sure that I'm financially positioned before I spend the latter half of my life really kind of tackling some of these problems. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Cause once you kind of go all in on something, which is a good thing, but you got to make sure that you, you know, you're ready, ready in, in all, yeah. you know, assets of, of life, like, yeah. you know, a new endeavor is a new endeavor. Um, but talk to me too about kind of um, the overall journey, like the big, big picture of where you've kind of came from and where you're at now, kind of what does it kind of um, mean to you? I mean, you even going back to not just you being from Bridgeport, but you know, you handing out uh, as, as well as your sisters, you know, scholarships to a school that you went to. And, and now um, being in the field that you're in, it's like, if you can kind of, I guess, all wrap it up and sum it up to like, what does it all kind of um, mean to you? Like, are you, I guess, are you proud of yourself is, is the question that I'm asking ultimately. <laughs> I'm so, I am very proud of myself, but more than anything, like, and anybody that knows me, anybody that follows me on social media or just knows me, I am so proud and so, oh, I'm not gonna get emotional. I'm so grateful for my mother. The sacrifices, when I tell you the sacrifices, I remember, again, my mom would come from work and I would have soccer games. Again, no car. My mom would take two buses to get to my soccer games. And then from there, after a soccer game, I could potentially take a, another bus to get to choir rehearsal at church, right? Like, I am very proud of myself, but I more so care about making my mom proud. And I think that that's literally how my sisters and I are as well. Everything circles back to my mom. It circles back to her foundation. It circles back to her journey, what she went through. Because although I went through some shit, I didn't go through even a tenth of what my mother went through. Um, so for me, my whole life is dedicated to making my mom proud. Um, that's my dog. Um, that's really, that's, that's my answer, honestly. I got you. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's, uh, uh, you know, it leads me into, um, you know, the, my final question. And, um, you know, it's a question that I ask everyone that comes on to define legacy. Um, and that question is, how do you want to be remembered? Ooh, <laughs> Ooh. that's a good question, Titi. How <laughs> um, <laughs> do I want to be remembered? Um, let me see if I can give a sermon like so a you, 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 you can You can think about it. We have three points. 
Huh? I want to give my certain. Oh, yes. You know that, how fast yeah. three points? All right. So here's you. what I want to be remembered by. Got you. I got you. I want okay. to be remembered as being fearless. Mm. Um, I want to be remembered as being kind and fearless, kind, and I want to be remembered fearless. It makes you think, I know, it, ma it makes you. It does. <laughs> Those definitely are the, the two, fearless, kind, and resourceful. Mm. Those would be my three, mm. being fearless and being kind. When I say fearless, I definitely, again, just think about my full journey you know, when Meek said scared money don't make no mm. money, he was really saying yeah. some, he was saying some shit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So like, if you think about all these things that I told you that I've done, you got to be fearless in a sense to kind of go after them. Yeah. Right. Like being in these yeah. white spaces, you kind of got to be fearless to go into these conference rooms every single day um, to pursue, you know, trying to go after Johns Hopkins. You got to be fearless. Like, you know what? Like you, you have to be fearless in anything that you do. I invested in a home, like who knows what's going to happen? You know, like maybe I could have lost my job and I, I wouldn't have enough money to pay for this. Da, 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 da. Fearless, no matter what. So tie that back to the Meek Mill, scare money, don't make no money. That's number mm -hmm. one. Kind, my mother just raised us to be so kind. So in a sense, like I said, like I'm always thinking about the black community. I also always think about any other marginalized group, right? Like LGBT, disability, like everything. Like I am... I would consider myself to be a very kind person. And I take that very seriously. As a matter of fact, I wear my high school ring. Our model in high school was work hard and be nice. Mm. Um, and that's my model, right? Like work hard and be nice. I take being kind very seriously. Mm. Um, and I hope that that's obviously a part of my legacy. And then third, being resourceful. If I don't got something, I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna figure it out. Like I said, my toilet broke. I'm gonna tie it up with a rubber band. Stuff like that. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I think that those are the three things that really define my character. Um, and I really hope that that's like the long lasting legacy that I have. Yeah. And that's real. All three of them. Um, I think the one that for me stuck out was, um, you know, the idea of being fearless, even on top of, you know, the meek lyric, of course. But it's the idea, like, I always try to think of things like from an alternative standpoint. Right. So like, even if you're a person who doesn't like to take risk, think about what's going to happen if you don't. Period. Like everything in life is based off risk. Everything in life everything. is based off like you have to start. Like even like you want to be stagnant, you don't want to you know jump or whatever. Then you're gonna remain in the same spot for the rest of your life. And you know you know it's funny. You don't know if you're all, if you're gonna win, right? Like you didn't know yep. for a fact that everything was gonna work out, but you know for a fact that if you don't do it, you'll never know. Yeah. Right. So you know sometimes you just gotta you know have some confidence in yourself, um, and just you know take that jump. Oh. Um, all that all those platitudes or like all of those overused like things are like so real like confidence is key like all of that shit is so yeah. real and as more and more time goes on you just be like damn like this is why they said that or like yeah Amen. yeah and it doesn't hit you until like you actually like apply it like again yeah. going back to the whole idea of like being stagnant or not moving it's like or like you hear it yeah right but until you like you actually like <laughs> get up and like take some action You'd be like, damn, I probably should have done this, you know, like five years ago. But the thing is, you can't change the past. So you can't. One last thing. One of my mentors once told me that the most important part of confidence sometimes is the first three letters, which is what? Con. Con. Mm. Make that shit until you make it sometimes. Mm. Facts.
and that's that. That's life. That's life. So if you, all right, so going off that, um, if you could, um, if you don't mind dropping your social medias in case you know people need to find you, ask questions or whatnot, where can you know people find you or anything like that? Ooh, okay. Um, emails or whatever, you know, if you got something to sell, let it, let it fly or whatever. Oh, I don't have anything to sell. Um, my Instagram, I'm really only on Instagram. My Instagram is go big Lexi, go big Lexi. Um, <laughs> you guys were around during Vine um, with four eyes. Um, and then my email is Alexis D as in dog, Russell MBA at gmail.com. So are there any uh, final words that you want to uh, leave our lovely audience? of the fine legacy with at all? No, I really don't have any other final words. I just want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, even being in a space to talk to another successful black person, just having the space to even just freely express myself and just to talk about life and relate to one another. You know, I'm trying to say like, it feels refreshing because I'm not often in spaces like these. So just thank you for giving me this opportunity to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm happy for everything that you're doing. It's definitely important. And, and I would say too, keep going. You know, I, I definitely don't you know, think that you're setting a standard. So um, it's important for people, like I always say, that look like us to kind of um, be able to share their stories. Because even if it's just one person out there that kind of um, gets something out of it and is able to yeah. kind of change their way of thinking, too, um, especially to, you know, everything that you talked about from your upbringing to where you are now. Um, I yeah. think that's a story that, you know, would definitely hit and people will understand it. Um, just also understand that they can do it, too. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're not always afforded the luxury that everyone else might have, but uh, the sad fact is you can't always make an excuse because life won't, you know, that's just, a, it's just, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is, you know? All right. But yeah, y'all, you know, thank you all again, you know, for watching again, um, feel free to, you know, follow and subscribe to Define Legacy, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, everywhere, any and everywhere. All right. Um, and again, feel free to check out the online store and the link. Um, of this episode. But again, shout out to you, Alexis Russell, for being on the, the, the show. Definitely, definitely appreciate it. Um, and just like that, y'all, we out. Peace.